1738, the English language needed a new word. So they stole it from the French. They stole it because they had a problem they simply couldn't solve. Their roads were awful. I'm Scott Beyer, and this is the Love Better Podcast, where we explore the truths and the lies about love, and more importantly, how to turn love into a skill, something we can get better at and hone along the way. Until the 17 and 1800s, roads in most all of England, especially rural England, were a pretty ramshackle affair. There wasn't yet an industrialized system for building roads, nor were roads controlled by larger governmental bodies. Most roads were still privately made, maintained by local counties or parishes, and sometimes even just the guy who lived next door. They varied greatly in their level of repair, or more often than not, their level of disrepair. In short, roads were a problem. You never knew when they were going to wash out, become impassable, or be blocked by cattle. Even main roads were hard to trust with certainty. You never knew when you'd have to find a small side road to turn off on, or take a scenic roundabout circuit in order to get to your destination. From point A to point B, well, that often required traveling through roads C, D, and E. Hence the introduction of a new word, borrowed from their French neighbors, a word that meant to take a side road or evade an impasse. The word that we now lovingly use to avoid traffic jams and even take the scenic route. Detour. Or the English version, detour. We take a detour when the shortest route is no longer the right route. It may not get you there as quickly, but you won't be stuck behind a flock of sheep for the next 10 mile markers either. Detours are such an important part of city life that every single major metropolis has staff dedicated to detours in their planning and development department. Detours for road construction, detours for traffic backups, and detours for unplanned closures due to accidents. Cities that are well-designed, well, they typically offer multiple ways to get around the city so as to avoid that one-way-in and one-way-out bottleneck that leads to traffic jams for miles during morning and evening commutes. If you've ever lived or worked in Boston, D.C., Chicago, L.A., or Seattle, you know exactly why detour planning would have been an excellent idea for them to have considered. You even feel the effects of detours when you walk into the grocery store. Ever notice that you end up picking up a lot of unplanned items along your way to that gallon of milk in the back of the store? Walmart, Kroger, Target, and every other big box store loves to take you on detours past all the other shiny things you might want to buy before they take you to the essentials you planned to take home. However, detours aren't all bad. Detours also mean taking the scenic route. Sometimes a spontaneous detour leads you to a new favorite restaurant or a chance to slow down and enjoy the moment. Feed the ducks in the park or watch your kids be kids. Some of my favorite memories are detours. A buddy of mine once, he detoured my day to go and watch him audition for a Shakespeare play. I, I ended up meeting my wife. That was a great detour. In fact, 
I'm fascinated by detours. Detours exist everywhere. I'm fascinated by how often they show up in our lives. Pretty much every day starts out with one plan, but by the end, everything's different. Every day is a detour, and that's great, because where would the fun be if we knew exactly how everything was going to happen ahead of time? Detours aren't just part of life. They're part of the Bible, too. One of the most famous detours of all time comes from the book of Exodus, when God is leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. I quote from Exodus 13, 17 through 18. Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. I've never been fond of waiting, and I've yet to meet many people that are. I'm deeply impressed by those who have cultivated an ability to comfortably and contentedly wait for things to happen with patience, because it has never been easy for me to do that. I prefer to get as quickly from one thing to another as I can. I think most of us like to take the quickest route to our destination or wait in the shortest checkout line. It feels efficient and productive. We're pursuing the shortest distance between two points. But that is not what God does with Israel in Exodus 13. God takes the long way round to the promised land. The short route would be no problem for him. God isn't afraid of the Philistine army, nor is he shaken by the terrors of war. God is unfazed by those sorts of things. But Israel isn't ready. This nation just came out of slavery, and it's made up of slaves who've been imbued with generational fear. They bring with them a history of oppression, and they also bring with them their wives and their children. They're not trained in war, nor have they reached the level of faith that would trust God to make the walls of Jericho fall and give them the victory. This is an infant nation. They're immature. They're untested. And God sees that a Philistine battle would just simply be too much. So God takes them the long way around, and he shows them his might. He parts the Red Sea. He sweetens the waters of Meribah. He feeds them day by day with manna, and he disciplines them with the sign of the quail. God leads them through wilderness until a generation arises that fears not Philistia. It isn't the shortest route, but it is the most compassionate. The detour is the loving road. In his first letter to the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul tells them to face the trials and hardships of life with faith and confidence because, and I'm quoting here from chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. What Paul is telling the Corinthians is the same thing that the long road through the Red Sea was telling the Israelites. 
God factors in our abilities so that the only trials we face are ones that can be overcome. He doesn't seek our failure. He seeks our success. He's willing to take the long way round so we can learn what we need along the way. So what does that look like for you and I? It is possible you might be taking the long road right now in some area of your life. Maybe you're stuck in a long waiting process for an undiagnosed illness. You know something's wrong, but appointment after appointment and test after test, they keep coming back with inconclusive results. And that is really, really discouraging. Why can't somebody just give you some answers? Or maybe you're stuck in the doldrums with your job. You can't just quit because your family's counting on you. Bills need to be paid. And you remember reading those verses about how someone who won't provide for his own is worse than an unbeliever, and you take them seriously, but it, it just feels like your job is so unfulfilling. And every attempt to get promoted or find a new job has been a dead end. Why can't a door of opportunity just open? Or maybe you're in a cycle of parenting that feels unrelentingly hopeless. The kids don't seem to be improving, no matter how hard you work at training, disciplining, and guiding them. They're still throwing tantrums or bursting into tears over homework or butting heads with you through the transition from youth to adulthood. You're doing everything you know to do. But it seems like you're getting nowhere with your child. Why can't they just grow up? Or maybe you're single and you hate it. You've seen your friends, your siblings, they grow up. They meet their spouse. They get married. They've even started having children. And, and yet you're still waiting and waiting for that right person to come along. You've prayed about it. You've tried to put yourself out there in healthy social situations. And still, it, it just feels like you will always be alone. Why can't God just send Mr. or Mrs. Right? Send him right now. If any of those situations sound like you, you might just be on the long way round. You might just be on a detour. And I'm sorry. I don't know the right answer. But I do know that God is faithful. And I know that oftentimes God takes longer than we want because he knows something that we don't. The reason I could give you those scenarios is because all of them have happened to God's people along the way. Remember the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment? She dealt with a hemorrhage of blood for 12 years before God used her as a sign of faith. Or how about Moses? He spent 40 years as a shepherd before God gave him a promotion. Jacob. Jacob struggled to raise his kids. But in the end, they turned into 12 tribes of people that followed God And I can only imagine how alone Ruth felt most days, but God eventually sent her Boaz at the right time. The long road of love also means we have to be prepared to offer that to others too. Our spouses, our children, our friends, our neighbors, and even our enemies need our patience with them. You might be ready for your kids to figure it out and hit that big milestone, But they might need more time, and they might need smaller milestones to make the progress you're hoping for. 
your spouse may take a little longer to warm up to new ideas or adventures. Typically in a marriage, one of you is going to be the gas, and the other one's going to be the brakes. And last time I checked, I like my car to have both a gas and a brake pedal. Which leads us back to detours. Life is full of side roads and roundabouts. Sometimes you have to hit the brakes to see the big picture. And sometimes God is going to take longer to get you where you need to be so that you are ready for the destination when you arrive. That's true with others also. Everyone is on different detours. And it's okay to be patient with each other while we grow. Oftentimes the things you get quickly are the things other Christians will take longer to understand. But the opposite is also true. Love considers the other person and gives them time to grow and learn. One of my favorite examples of that is John Mark. When John Mark left Paul and Barnabas halfway through their first journey, Paul was really not happy about it. At least from Paul's perspective, John Mark wasn't worth trusting anymore. He felt so strongly about it that it became a sharp disagreement between him and Barnabas when their second journey came along, and Barnabas wanted to give John Mark a second shot at redemption. Paul was having none of it. John Mark had bailed on them early on, and Paul wasn't going to risk that happening again. The Bible doesn't tell us who was right, and it doesn't tell us who was wrong in Paul and Barnabas' argument. It just tells us that they fought over John Mark and ended up splitting up the best evangelism team in history because of it. Here's what I do know. In the very last letter that Paul would ever write, as he sat in a prison cell, an old man awaiting the death penalty for the faith in Jesus he'd given his life to, these are the words that he wrote. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with, for he is useful to me for service. 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. I don't know what detours John Mark's life took, but I love that he took them. Love better. Love the detour. If you've listened this far, hopefully we've done something to help make your life a little bit better. Would you mind returning the favor and helping us by subscribing to the podcast through your favorite platform, by sharing with others, or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts? If you do those things, you help us reach more people. Also, if you want more information about the work I'm doing at Eastland, visit us at eastlandchristians.org or my personal Bible site, biblegrad.com, where you can sign up for daily Bible devotionals called Bible Bites and receive them in your email each morning. Take online Bible classes or find videos that will help you study through the Bible throughout the year. Until next time, remember, you are loved. So go love better.